With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The man, the myth, the legend, the OG. In fact, this is the OG. This is... Lakeside Drive. Uh, I'm James. It's great to have you at your company wherever you're listening in the off-season. Hello. And I'm joined, the focus of today's episode, by my friend and yours, Thomas J. Camp. G'day, mate. How are you, buddy? You well? Mate, I'm good. I feel a little bit more relaxed and rested now after a couple of weeks off, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Uh, it's been a pretty big season, but look, let's we'll talk about that, the season, in a little bit. Um, first of all, uh, I want to have a look at the, the little collection of things that we've got yeah. on the table in front of us. So talk us through what you've got left to right. <laughs> well, I've got my uh, $300,000 Danny Rick <laughs> replica <laughs> helmet sitting there. So that's it's pretty well themed. I've got uh, I've got my Lemmy Kilmister little doll. He's yep. a bit of a bit of an idol of mine, I suppose. It's yeah. good. And yeah, then I've like got it. the old Thunderbird too. Uh, so good. Cast man. iron with the little Thunderbird Thor four in the um, what would you call the it? Little holder, the, the little I guess. holder. So yeah, I sort of I was obsessed with that show as a kid. Used to get up at six exactly a.m. with same. my dad and watch it and fall asleep and not remember it. But <laughs> when you could record on VHS tapes back oh, in mate, the day, that's remember. what we did. I I it wasn't too frequent but i often heard people had like accidentally like friends had accidentally taped over like their parents wedding video or like christening or some other random thing that would happen uh you can't do that anymore but i feel like i feel like the risk that you had putting a blank vhs in and thinking if i don't press record on rage now i'm never going to see this video clip again in my life yeah well my dad used to host a tv show in new zealand back in the day Did he? it's like a sunday night like semi-churchy, not churchy, like music show called Sing Out. And oh. uh, Dad used to, he used to wear these god-awful green and purple suits. Ah. Anyway, I, one day I taped over the last remaining image of that. <laughs> I'm sure he's not actually unhappy about <laughs> no, that. No, he's not. Oh, it was a doozy. It's a doozy. So anyway. Uh, mate. It's great to, to be here at your place. Thank you for having me over. I am um, looking very comfortable at the moment. As my, you should. I've got my slippers on. It's very good. I've got my shorts. My jocks are hanging out the bottom of the shorts. Outstanding. And, uh, outstanding. Uh, I can also see to your left um, a couple of records. I can see Audio Slave popping out there is the record. I can see them. My eyes, Jeff Buckley. Yeah. Eyes are not as Grace. good as they used to be. We've got some Rage. Oh, uh, some solid Lots of Noel here. Gallagher. What else we got there? There's some carnival in there. Um, yeah. Feels like Nirvana. that's a – Some of the ACDC back in black. Classic. Oh, there, yeah. there is – what? there's probably about, I don't know, 20 records there. Yeah. I reckon all 20 would be absolute fire. That's You're the kind of person that just knows music. Uh, well, not well, according to some are. people, but <laughs> – <laughs> They're wrong. <laughs> this is the beauty about having a podcast. Yeah, uh, yeah mate, what I wanted to do is – if you're brand new to the podcast, it's great to have you here. Thank you for joining us. Um, it is the off-season, of course. 
F1 is finished for the year. We're looking ahead to next year. But between now and then, um, a couple of special episodes. We'll eventually do a full season review episode. Um, But what I wanted to do is introduce you and us. And if you've been here from the beginning, uh, which is congratulations to you, honestly. Um, Or if you're brand new here, I want to introduce Campy because uh, Lakeside Drive wouldn't be Lakeside Drive without him. Uh, was originally Oz F1. Uh, we'll get into the story about the podcast, but I want a little bit of a, a background on you, Campy. <sighs> Talk to us about not your whole life, but let's, let's sort of focus a little bit on motor. Otherwise, we'd be here for years. Yeah. Let's focus a little bit on the motorsport side of things. Uh, to, you, your dad, obviously, you've got Kiwi heritage. Yeah. Um, so you'd be pretty happy with Shane Van Gisbergen winning oh. V8 Supercars uh, this well, I mean, to be honest, it's been New Zealand domination for the last couple of years. Yeah, with Scotty McLaughlin too. So, yeah, it's been good. You know what? I'm, I used to be obsessed with V8s when I was a kid. Yeah. The, the Mark Scaife HRT era is got into it just before that domination period. And mm. then, uh, yeah, look, he just went on a tear for about, what, three or four seasons. And um, I, my best friend's mum used to be the uh, editor of the V8X magazine back in the day. Really? So, there's another guy called oh, Big Head Nev. That's how just how I, his nickname. <laughs> anyway, he um, so any Melbourne events, so Philip Island, Sandown, things like that. We used to get passes that basically got us everywhere we wanted to oh. go, and we were just running around as 15, 16 year olds, just you know getting photos with the grid girls back then when it was a thing. And oh, crazy opportunities! Some of the things that happen when you're young like that. And we just used to walk in the media tent, just eat all the food we could. <laughs> <laughs> Steal beers and stuff. Oh, it was it was awesome. So yeah, it was good. But um, yeah, that was when I was into V8s, but not so much these days. So talk to us about your motorsport journey. Then was V8s like the thing because it was on at a reasonable time, and back in the day you could watch it on Channel Ten without having to pay for viewership. Not really. I just, it was just on. I was always into motorsport as a kid. I um, like I saw crusty crusty demons of dirt when I was in. Ugh. Prep, believe it or not, and uh, from then that day on, it was everything was dirt bikes and motorcycles, and mum and dad weren't too sure how to how to take it. And um, anyway, finally got me a bike after about five years of nagging. <laughs> finally got the bike, and I was way too big for it. But anyway, we got a what was known as a CR eighty five big wheel back then, sort of like a super mini these days. And uh, yep, I rode the absolute ass out of that thing at some tracks and used to tear around on school holidays and stuff up the street, up and down the train lines of, of Somerville. So that was that was really the passion, mate. Motorbikes was all it was. And uh, eventually, you know, um, that motorsport and the music and all the whole lifestyle that went with that, you know, that crusty motorbikes thing. I was always more into the racing side of it than I was the freestyle. But that whole, like... <laughs> X Games, extreme sports, stuff like that. That was the culture that I grew up in and the music was a big part of it and the way you dressed and the way you talked. So, yeah, I just froth that stuff. As you get older, you, you grow out of it a bit. But yeah. still probably the that was the foundational stuff. So V8s was sort of the next progressing thing. And and uh, anyway, from there, um, discovered F1 really. It was the mm. Mark Webber. Yeah. I mean, it's so easy – for us in Australia, we're a sporting nation. There's so many sports and it's professional sports all the time and uh, heaps of professional leagues, particularly in Melbourne. We're probably the sporting capital. Well, we are the sporting capital of the world. Some of the events we have, like the Grand Prix, 
tennis and things like that. You're always just surrounded by it. So, yeah, what was I trying to say? Anyway, when Mark Webber started to drive, I knew about him. But when he came out and said, I'm finally in a car to win it, that piqued up my interest. And that was 09, so that was the Braun year. Um, and we'd always sort of kept in touch with it Grand Prix time. You watch it every year and that's it. But, uh, yeah, when, once that happened, it sort of just ignited a real passion and love for the sport. Probably not so much the glitz and glamour of it, but more the on-track, just the spectacle of the cars, the sounds, the technology, and I'd probably say I've got a quite inquisitive mind when it comes to design philosophies and stuff like that. Hello, Kat. This is, <laughs> this is Clancy or better known as arsehole in our household. <laughs> Um, uh, make yourself at home, Clancy. Yeah. It is your home. So anyway, that's the journey with Formula One anyway. And uh, yeah, then we started hanging out and here we are 10 were years you, later. Were you a Schumacher Ferrari fan or a Hakkinen McLaren fan? No, I hated Ferrari. Such an Australian. Every, I'm pretty sure every Australian yeah, I've asked, they're all like, no, nah, Hakkinen. Or basically whoever else it was, Williams or <laughs> McLaren. Yeah, I think, um, I think we back an underdog, right? We hate someone. We love them on the way to the top, but as soon as they're at the top and they say something stupid, well, it's all over. You are <laughs> cut down back to your humble beginnings pretty quickly, which I look, it's a part of our psyche. I don't love it all the time, but I think it does. The heart of it's to keep people humble and hey, don't get a big head, don't be up here. So, um, yeah, I like some of it, but I don't like others. I, I participate it, you know. You know, a hell of a lot, <laughs> as you guys would know. So, anyway, um, yeah. So, Mike Webber, I mean, that's an easy in for a lot of us because F1 was that domination of Schumacher for a long time. I know a lot of people switched off. I switched off of F1 with the domination of Hamilton um, early on there around. I think yeah. Rosberg maybe piqued my interest a little bit to come back in 17 um, after he won the title. And so that's when I started watching again. But that I vividly remember, I was my first year at um, the Defence Force Academy, 2009, and every, I don't know, like we'd spend a whole bunch of time outfield and do all, all sorts of stuff. So I, I couldn't watch, for the first time ever, I couldn't watch a full season of anything. Um, so it was always highlights. And I remember always wanting to watch highlights, which are, for sports, really difficult to get into that rhythm just to see where Mark was yep. because of exactly what you said. Yep. Because he was like, I got a car to win this thing. Uh, and boy, oh boy. And he went deep in 2010. He went to the last race and, you know, should have won it. On his day, you know, he says it himself the greats go for two, three, and four. On his day, he competed with the best of the best of. The sport, <laughs> yeah, you know. Seb Vettel even said it in one of his sort of outgoing videos the last couple of weeks. Is like, you know, Mark was phenomenal on his day when he had everything together. He was just, yeah, unstoppable. Yeah, and he he did it the hard way too. Yeah, his story just to get into the. He's sport a Camera was, Milk kid. Yeah. <laughs> you would not, but if you if you're from Canberra, New South Wales, you'd be like, ah, oh, I'm a Camera Milk kid. Legitimately, a Mark Webber ad, really, with him doing that. Yeah, he did it the hard way, and we love that. We love that. Yeah. yeah, got a lot of he got a bit of shit in Australian media for a long time on his way up the Formula One grid, but uh, I never really got it. I don't really know why. Media it's love just, a clickbait. Well, it's just a misunderstanding of how the sport actually works. Yep. Right? Yeah. Anyway, it's one of those things, isn't it? Formula One that was kind of like pe- plenty of people would watch it, and of course, you know, when it went Adelaide to Melbourne, there was a massive like, oh, 
What? I think that happened. Good what, old, 96? Good old Kenneth brought it back. 96 was it the first Grand Prix here or 97? Either way, whatever. One of those things. And I think um, it was in one of those years, I only read the stat very recently, that it was 401,000 people came to the Oz Grand Prix in Melbourne in the first weekend. Yeah. Um, and last year there was about 413,000. So imagine like that kind of peak level of interest in the mid-90s to – then for it to drop off and then only really come back in excitement levels again last year. Well, it's funny. They said on the Adelaide 500 this weekend, V8 Supercars, I was talking about the last F1 race that was in Adelaide. Still to this day, the biggest single-day sporting event uh, attendance record in the history of Australian sport, which was 225,000 or something. So, I mean, it runs deep here. It's uh, it's got It's one of those sports that's got a hell of a lot of fans, but they're not – there's not big communities like it is at a, at, at a, like footy. You can go to the footy 20 times a year. This you can only do it once. And uh, a lot of people that really get into it and post the uh, the Netflix documentary on our sport, it's taken it's taken a whole new level of to the general you know the the general punter out there that watches. So. We got together, <clears throat> started talking about Formula One a little bit. It's because yeah. of the ad that I can no longer find. Thank God. <laughs> It's uh, not bad. Well, what I will do, what I really, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but there is some of the worst hate, hateful comments about my acting ability um, <laughs> ever known to man on this video. Uh, and I made the mistake, uh, like I think it's probably 50 50 percent of people were like, oh, this is so cool, how good. The other half are like, who is this dickhead yeah. and how did he get on? Yeah. The answer is if you have an agent, you get offered all kinds of stuff. Uh, I had to pre- pretend like I didn't know who David Coulthard was, which as someone who's loved Formula 1 for a long time, very difficult it would seem. Um, but we started talking about Formula 1 and one of the things that we sort of said is, it, 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 I mean, we weren't best mates, we, we were friends, but we, you couldn't really find other people within one friendship group to talk about Formula 1 with, could you? Nope. No, everyone would ask me, oh, how's Formula 1 going? And I'd just want to shit talk for 45 minutes and they'd be like, oh, I can't can't." (laughs) Instead now you've got a microphone, you do it for 45 minutes Let's move on, my man, let's move on. (laughs) Yeah, so, yeah, we, I mean, we chatted about it for probably two years every time we saw each other. We did, yep. And uh, I was like, let's do a podcast and you were like, yeah, that could be cool. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, I can't talk properly. (laughs) I use the English language. You've gotten a lot better though. Oh, we have. Yeah, you got to you got to put some effort in and improve. But uh, yeah, I very recently, listener, um, opened up our entire back catalogue again, so you can go right back to our 2019 Australian Grand Prix review. I don't know why you would, but if you want a bit of a laugh, to listen to how far we have come as podcasters <laughs> and as people and presenters. Um, I wasn't even in the country for that race. Uh. No, you weren't. No, you were in the States. I was. Oh, it must have been the preview episode we did. Yeah. Was I was it? living in Frankston. That's right. Of all places. I didn't live in Frankston very long, but I lived in Frankston in our front living room, you, me, and Michael Best, who helped us out there. We had really good quality sound gear. We had SM7Bs, two of those. You know, he edited it really well. And one of the things that we good wanted- Good whiskey too. Good whiskey, great whiskey and beers. Um, and what we really wanted was quality audio, wasn't it, whilst we figured it out. Um, and one of the things that you probably will have noticed is that I spend a lot of time, probably longer than I need to, editing things together to make them sound as good as possible, given the circumstances. Nothing worse than putting on a podcast and hearing shit audio. It's like, get me out of here. doesn't matter I'm if, if it's a Danny Rick interview, I'm not listening to it because no, I just cannot no, stand it. No, you're right. 
it's not that hard to put in some effort. So what were the, what was one of the things for you wanting to start the podcast? What what was in your mind for why you wanted to do it? No idea. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. Insightful comments. <laughs> no idea. Um, okay, well, how about this? What were you expecting from doing the podcast? Uh, absolutely nothing. Still nothing. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely nothing. I remember, the, I remember after the second year, I was like, damn, we've got like, 3,000 downloads. How good's that? Yeah. No, I think we had August 2020, we reached 10,000 downloads. Yeah, which was like, sorry, the first year was 3,000. Yeah. And I thought, geez, there's 3,000 people out there that have, you know, listened to us talk absolute bollocks. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> you still, I was genuinely shocked, but it sort of took on a world of its own, really. End of, I think end of the second year, it was up into the 30,000s and, I don't even know where we're up to now. But, yeah, look, no real goal, no real, which is not good when you go into things like this because you need to set yourself, as you would know, some targets and some goals, things to work towards. But I really had no idea of the internet world and what podcasts generally looked like. I mean, I look at some of the numbers on these things and we're still, you know, potato fries compared to to, the, uh, to some of the big people out there. But... Uh, it, it it blows me away the amount of people that interact on the internet. And you guys know I don't do social media. I couldn't care less about it and it's not a part of what I am, but it's been a, a good learning curve for me to sort of get my head into it a bit. But, yeah, there's only upwards and onwards and upwards from here. We're going into our fifth year of doing this, yeah, which is ridiculous. Uh, we were lucky enough to catch up with Tommy T last night. He actually responded to a text message. So the three of us had some beers and we yeah. sort of reflected a little bit on where we've come and what we're doing next year. Hopefully in a couple of weeks, we've got some exciting news to share with you guys about that. But what has been the hardest thing for you in this Talking. process? <laughs> Talking. Uh, you knew the answer to that question. Yeah. Look, I, yeah, with it, I've got some like severely bad like sinus breathing, head structure issues, as you can tell. Head structure. <laughs> Shit head. I say all the time. <laughs> Even my missus said to me the other day. It's like, can you just sort your shithead out? <laughs> so anyway, so for me, like, I was probably a man of few words, really. Didn't say much, sort of kept to myself a bit, but uh yeah, I really struggled. I didn't realise how bad I was, like, stringing a sentence together to sound somewhat intelligent. And uh, it's probably a skill I've never really had to had to, to learn and to, to articulate and talk about things. It's funny, when you're talking about work stuff, communication's fine because you know what you're doing, you know, you, know, you know the process, you're trying to teach people, but you're also trying to roll out jobs and building. That stuff's fine because I knew it. To actually sit down and, you know, figure out how to, you know, how to string a sentence together and, you know, talk for three or four minutes at a time. It's difficult. Um, but, yeah, it's been a good skill to learn. I've, I think I've cleaned up a bit of the breathing this year. I don't think it's been anywhere near as bad as what it used to be. So My technique that, helps. Yeah, like, well, you, yeah. But you, you've worked hard on oh, a lot of that stuff. Behind closed doors, I you know, I did the whole put marbles in your mouth in a bag and – yell and scream just to get the muscles activated to be able to project your voice as well. So, yeah, I think, like, as a little professional development thing for me, it's been a, it's been an interesting story and something that I've really enjoyed doing as well. So, 
Um, yeah, it's probably <laughs> that's probably the biggest struggle. And put myself out there. I, I don't want to be front and center on anything. Too late. My <laughs> my whole outlook is, uh, hey, I'm that guy that's always there and consistent. But just put me behind three or four people, and I'm super happy. So, yeah, put myself out there, especially on the internet. I'm not sure that it. Uh, I'm super comfortable with it. Not that anyone really listens or watches anymore anyway, but you know you, you know what I'm trying to say. Absolutely. Look, I think one of the th- interesting thing is, things is we have grown in popularity. We started before Drive to Survive just, but we didn't even know of, of its existence when yeah. we started the podcast, uh, even as an idea. So it's been interesting to watch our audience sort of grow and change and do a whole bunch yeah. of different things. So we were – the whole point was we wanted to fill a gap in the Australian market um, we knew that there were other podcasts like Box of Neutrals who had been doing it for years. Great. Love those too. guys. Really, really awesome content. Um, and hopefully we're going to do this uh, versus a competition, at least go-karts, but maybe some other yeah. stuff early next year with them because it's they're not competition as in like from a podcast point of view. We're trying to grow an Australian community and that was the point is that we wanted to grow an Australian community. But through doing that, we've managed to find Canadians, Americans, oh. People in the in the UK and Cayman Islands, the Freya who now who's part of the show was a fan. Yeah, listening in Cayman Islands before before joining, and and I think the 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 evolution of the show has been pretty significant. But one of the things that I yeah, and as I said before, like you have done so much work to better yourself, and and I know listeners, I mean we we talk about you know heavy breathing and everything else, but as much as that's a little bit of a shit take on oh. you, and we love it. <laughs> Kind of well, hey, I'm the it's first a, to poke. It's a great hashtag. I other want people hashtag heavy breathing on a on a t-shirt for next year. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you're a big you're a big part of Lakeside Drive, and certainly when you're not around, you're it's noticed the, the sort of gap that you leave. And yeah, you've you've worked really hard, and I just want to call that out because we have done this up until this point, even with our Nord uh, VPN um, sponsorship, and they've supported this episode as well. We'll get to them in a little bit. But even with that, that isn't coming to us. You know, just to let you guys know, we're all doing this uh, for the passion of it. Uh, and it was never, it's never been in our back of our minds to try and turn this into any like kind of cash grab or anything else. There are a lot of podcasts out there who were like immediately sponsorship. Let's try and get cash. We want to do this to be, to be like, I want to be a YouTuber. I want to be a content creator. And the amount of questions I get for like, how do I be a YouTuber and make money? Like, you have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even get us to a thousand subscribers on yeah. YouTube. I do that five days a week running a business. So <laughs> I'm not interested in doing it for stuff like this because it's, this is a hobby and it's good fun, right? It's great. And, you know, we are doing it for you. And that's the thing is for the listener, this is a community focused podcast so campy over the last couple of years what's been your favorite moment to to record in your old office was pretty good yeah first Mm. the first couple of years where we had no idea um the 20 minutes when we were setting up before the podcast was like we were giddy school children on school (laughs) camp you know (laughs) you know all sleeping in the same room together and the amount of bollocks that was said between the three of us or you know stuff you just could not put on radio it's called locker room talk according to uh mr trump that's what it is is it (laughs) you know boys will be boys when they get together look uh, specific moments uh, i remember watching the race live with grows that grows on crash that we were together when we were watching that and uh it was horrific um not 
Do you want me to keep going? Yeah, not that uh, that was memorable because it was like, shit, we're watching something pretty crazy here and uh, we were all in the same room. So that was that was a memorable experience. But I think I, I just – it's laughter. That's if I consider me, you and Tommy getting together and doing things. It's not specific moments but it's, it's laughter and it's just the constant piss-taking – the constant jabbing each other, which, which, which is, you know, enjoy. You get married, you grow up, you can't do those things every day. And, uh, yeah, the, the one memory would be the laughter. So, It's certainly been one of those things that from a enjoyment point of view, being in person is much better. <laughs> um, and, one of the th- and it, look, it was a difficult uh, – I'm not sure – well, this episode is uh, is about you, but it's about also the podcast as well. In 2020, so I... I'll deflect as much as I possibly can. I know you can uh, and will. I moved up to um, Jarvis Bay, the New South Wales South Coast. That's right, yeah. Just before COVID hit. Um, in fact, I was drive. I drove down to the Oz Grand Prix on the Friday. That's right. Just when they cancelled it. I, I was driving yeah. past Aubrey Wodonga. <clears throat> so I was like, cool, thanks guys. Yeah, we're on our way in, yeah. Um, still ended up going to a darkness concert, best band in the world. Um, they were like, what's COVID? <laughs> With 800 of my closest friends at the forum and had a, that was a kick-ass gig. Um, little did we know that would be the last gig that anything would sort of happen for a while. But yeah, we, I went away and, um, we weren't really sure how things were going to go. And we were, I think it's interesting, like that late 2019 period, as you said, in, in my office, uh, in Somerville, we'd get together. It was, it was easy. We didn't do a hell of a lot of editing because we didn't really know what we were doing, but nope. it's kind of progressed into this point now. Um, and it, it, we have a significant amount of downloads. I mean, 20 people is a lot, right? Like, And I, I try to remind people of this. When you think about people who are, if you've subscribed to the podcast, if you again, if you're brand new, if you've been doing it for three years or four years, you have listened, A, to a lot of nonsense, B, to a lot of progressions of what we've been trying to do with the show, including this year, like the, the latter part of the year, I kicked my shouty introductions out the window and we did a cold open just to try something different. But always it's about trying to create the best possible content for you guys. Like it's always how do I create the best podcast? How do I create the best podcast? But doing that remote stuff, that really sucked. Like even, I mean, even if we were all living here, we couldn't do it in person anyway. Um, But it was sucked. But we found a bit of a rhythm. Um, A lot of people don't know this, but I actually reached out to Greg Rust, to Rusty, uh, to, to say... I still remember You're his alleged- review of me. Yeah. <laughs> I won't read it out. I won't do it he, that bad. He gave me just absolute shit. Uh, he appreciated your opinions. I just think it was the mic technique he, he thought was a little wanting. But it's interesting because, you know, at that point, again, it wasn't a hell of a lot of podcasts going around. And I was still in the mind of trying to get it as, as good as we could get it. And, in fact, we, we took all of his feedback and we, we changed the podcast. Yeah. Um, of course, you may or may not remember we used to be called OzF1 and some really good friends of the show helped us decide that maybe not having F1 in the title, if we got bigger, was a good thing. Pushed in the right direction. Hey, if you don't do this, yeah. there will be some ramifications. Yeah, uh, which we didn't really – we weren't big enough at that point to really sort of go, oh, it's bad for brand awareness. But, look, we, we Tommy T, uh, shout out to him for the, the idea of the name Lakeside Drive because – I mean, it sounds it's like a band, like a rock. In fact, I think there is a rock band. If you go onto Instagram, I think just at Lakeside Drive is a rock band from Canada. Really? Yep. Um, and uh, of course, it's the main road going around the Grand Prix circuit on the lake. Yeah. Uh, funnily enough, called Lakeside Drive. So, 
that's been good. That's we've, the Melbourne track, by the way. Yes, we've really enjoyed that side of things. So that your, your best parts and what's what's been the hardest part for you in the last 12 months? Because it's been a big season and I know a lot of us are tired. People could tell by the end of it that we're all tired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, look, hard. hard's not the right word. At the start of this year, I had crazy life happening since got married and stuff going on. And the last month where I've been around just, just – absolute chaos just work-wise and stuff and yeah so that was difficult so it was difficult to get into it i wouldn't say it's hard but you know i'm probably seriously the talking thing's the biggest the talking thing was like i'd lose sleep over putting together like really? a three-minute rant i was like far out you know so yeah that's yeah that's probably been the hardest but probably the most satisfying part too so yeah um yeah yeah How's it? I mean, <laughs> and, and you've got to adapt in the change as well. You, yeah, you can't stay the way that we were when we first started. Oh no! And, way. Uh, <laughs> no you know, one the, would listen. The world's changed, and uh, yeah, there's still a big part of me that's like that that wants to be play a role and say all the stupid, funny shit. But you know, a lot of that stuff's under the water now, and it's. You've got to stay relevant with the times, I suppose, um, which I, I, there's a part of me that hates it, but there's a part of me that gets it too. So, mm. I think it's it's interesting because as we've grown, we've, of course, found new audiences. Yeah. And, again, what's what started realistically probably is a thought for a community of people living in Melbourne. We were kind of like, oh, we could get together and, like, go to pubs and, you know, watch a race or whatever else has turned into this international Madness, really. Um, one of the things that I wanted to talk about was the Oz Grand Prix this year. Yeah. And we had drinks afterwards. We, oh. we met some pretty amazing people. Oh. How's it been for you to not, to know, and this is just the reality, that you've gone from, okay, talking nonsense in a Frankston living room to now being listened to not only across the country or across the state, let alone across the country, yeah. and then internationally and having people come and join us for some beers who are like, it's campy. Yeah, it was. It was a bit odd. <laughs> Someone <laughs> tapped me on the tapped me on the shoulder like campy. How are you, mate? And I was like, wow. Um, oh, look, I, I played music and played in bands, so I've experienced a tiny bit of that stuff as well. But um, yeah, it's definitely yeah. I mean, look, it's a level of fame, is is what I'm oh, saying. Fuck, it's not fame. It is. It's not. It's, they're not, it's better than being infamous, I suppose, being famous. Them, they call them fans, but they're listeners at the end of the day. And yeah. Yeah, well, mate, don't want to put yourself on a pedestal like that, but it's nice to get some recognition too when you when you go, I oh, don't lap it up. I'm probably, I'm probably as outgoing and as boisterous as I am on the podcast at any other point. When I'm, <laughs> True story. When I'm at a pub, I'm just, hey, let's sit back and just relax and sit back and be that fourth or fifth person in the crowd so you know <laughs> i am acting to a certain certain level but uh yeah yeah enough about me jim far out I'm well this is a podcast <laughs> about you uh or chat with campy campy's yeah. couch chat oh, is what i'm going to call it because we need some positive alliteration yeah. uh for the podcast name well look it, call it what you want, but people do listen. People are interested. Yeah. Uh, and and a shout out to to the couple of you who Freya and I caught up with in Miami. That that was phenomenal. Um, and I talked to quite a few of you regularly on Instagram through either the Lakeside Drive Instagram or my personal Instagram account too. It's great. And again, we are not 
above you guys Ugh. at all. We are the same. We are only trying to create a community, which is which is an interesting thing. We all go to the bathroom. And <laughs> we all shit. We all wipe our own backside. But <laughs> when when did when did it become hard for you to watch Formula One in the last two years? Oh, jeez. Can you, can you sort of pick the moment or was it a slow progression? Uh, I think. And why? First three races this year, McLaren were nowhere. Sorry, the first two races, they were nowhere. And I think Lando podiumed in. Uh, in Imola. Imola. No, this year. Uh, in Saudi Arabia somewhere, uh, in the Middle East. Anyway, and Danny Rick had a few issues early on and. You missed testing for COVID and I just uh, just I just had that feeling in my gut like this isn't gonna go the way we want it to go. I tried to do everything I could to put a positive tinge on Danny Rick's performances early on. Cause yeah, oh, mate, we're invested in him. It's not like it's, it's not like we give a shit if we get him on the podcast and you'd fanboy him. But like that's the reason that you He's the reason that we love the sport so much and it, that's something to listen to and to watch every week and that's our guy, right? That's our team. So it has been hard because there's not really another character on the grid that I, you know, would like to succeed so much more. So, you know, it gets in – you can get cynical really quickly and I'm shocking at it and, you know, I'm the first to, you know, take the piss out of somebody else and, you know, hold them to account when – you know, the Gasly thing. I really don't care about the guy, if <laughs> yeah, I'm honest. But do you know what? Like, I really couldn't care less, but it's something that started and you just go on with it, yep. right? So, you know, it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> look, early on too. And I had some, like, I was getting married and some stuff going on earlier in the year. So I missed a couple of the races. I don't even think I watched, uh, I don't even think I watched the three races I missed just because I was, life was hectic. So, yeah, this year's probably been the toughest year and uh, I've probably seen that. And I think the listeners too. And, like, when we're in your other sporting teams, like whether it be the Bombers or when the <laughs> All Blacks got it's done by the year. Irish this year, it's like, what am I watching sport for? Why am I putting myself through this every week? And, and it's it, yeah, I mean, you lose interest in it. So it's been a tougher year, but I still love the sport. I still love the technical side of it. You know, people ask, oh, how do I learn more about it? Just go and download the FIA regulations. And, uh, it's <laughs> just, also a good way to put you to sleep. <laughs> yeah. But if you, if, like, I'm a bit of, I've got a bit of an inquisitive mind like that. I like to know how stuff works and whether it's pulling apart a drill and figuring out how the, you know, the battery turns the, you know, the rotors or the brushes to generate voltage and, st- you know, that stuff for me is like, I love that stuff. But that's not something you share with everybody else and I think that's part of the sport too. And the more you watch them and the more you get into it and you follow like the drivers and you get into the politics of the sport and who's really pulling the strings, it's Ferrari and the FIA director. And once you start to understand it and get you get more out of the sport on the weekend. So you can watch practice one and two and you know what they're talking about all the time. And there's there's great discussion and commentary around the the saga of the day and you know what's happening with the winglets and what's happening, you know, aerodynamically. And there's some really good stuff. So the more you put into it, the more you get out of it. And uh 
Yeah, it's a, yeah, that's the stuff that really gets me. It's been, it has been difficult though because of Danny Rick. And when we started the oh. podcast, it was you know Australia. I think Aussie banter, big opinions, and huge Daniel Ricciardo bias. We well, just got Renault too, so yeah, and it was hard enough to to watch him leave Red Bull. Um, but and especially his first, because we were there. Tommy, you were away. You were you were in Texas. Tommy T and I. Uh, were where were we turns nine and ten 2019 and we were watching this is back when that the turn actually existed rather than the really fast follow through now that was bottas 2.0 massive screen vb on fire opening bloody lights go out and then danny front wing rips off that's right (laughs) he's limping around the circuit everyone's like Anyway, he started at the bottom for Renault and he really made himself uh, sort of up to the top. And his last his couple of performances in 2020 were phenomenal in that car. Oh, he drove the ass off that car. Even the first year, he made Hulkenberg look second rate. Mm. Um, although he didn't get the performance out of the car that he probably wanted. Um, that second year and hit that Renault, that was... Geez. But he was figuring it out, right? And th- and you can see what hap- what didn't happen in McLaren happened at Renault. He was figuring it out as a completely different philosophy there. Brakes are different, driving, you know, steering yeah. different, everything else. Once he got it, okay. And you look back at the highlights of the end of 2019 and 2020, and it's like a Ferrari or Seb Vettel overtaking Danny Rick in a Renault for like third. Yeah. People forget. Yeah. He had no... Pl- that Renault had absolutely no place being where it did. Yep. Um, with the Mercedes, Red Bull, and Ferrari domination. Yeah, okay, Ferrari had a, had, a, had a good year in 2019. Ferrari with that power unit that was now illegal. Cheating, yeah. Um, the fact that Renault was doing what they were doing. So anyway, it, it, but it's been hard. And, and one of the things that I know a lot of you have as well, um, we like to think this is a Danny Rick safe space, is that when, the dis- when there was rumours happening about DR being replaced, firstly it was with um, the IndyCar drivers from McLaren. That's right, yeah. So Pato Ward. By all accounts, lovely dude. Um, sure he is. Sure he is. Um, He's not our boy, is he? No, and that's right. <laughs> and then it's sort of like, why would they do that? I mean, there's now 400 drivers who drive McLaren, but it's interesting sort of seeing that and then seeing the the energy shift in, in Australia because we were like you and I got back into F1 or into F1 properly as sort of adults, inverted commas, sort of 18, 19, 20 because of Mark Webber, seeing the same thing happen for Danny Rick fans. So if you're early 20s now, you know, you're Danny Rick fan because he came into the sport. If it was 2019 or Drive to Survive was your entry or slightly before that, you know, 17, yeah. 18, amazing performances in that Red Bull. Um, even 14. Do you think about well, 2014? 14 was his first year in a good car. Yeah. And I'm not talking like – I look at some of the younger guys coming through like Leclerc's had his shot, Sainz had his shot, Russell's had his shot, Norris to an extent has had his shot. When Danny Rick first got his shot, he was qualifying on the front row and winning races against a four-time world champion and against a Mercedes hybrid, turbo hybrid that was so dominant. But Danny Rick, he's the one that when he got his shot, he performed so much better than everybody else. And everyone's like, this is a future world champion. Then Max Verstappen came along, you know, halfway through 20 or four races into 2016 and it was a, it was a you know – that's the progression we've been on. But that's how that's how good this Danny Rick came into that top seat. The one hit on him was, oh, they don't know if he's got any racecraft, you know, at the front end. And we soon learned that within one race how good it was. So Yeah. It's, yeah. 
his progression, and like we are as a podcast, emotionally attached to the guy. There's no denying that whatsoever. And I think we've sort of ridden the highs and lows with him this year. Um, and one of the reasons why I think some of our listeners haven't, haven't maybe followed on or kept up with our race reviews. Hopefully, you're back for this. Fair chat. enough, too. I'm Absolutely totally fair enough. It. It's it's hard to watch. Um, when it gets to the point where the camera for the opening lap has moved to follow the first 10 or 13 cars around and you can't see yeah. Daniel in that shot, yeah. that's where it was for me like, okay, this really sucks a lot. It's really struggling to watch it. Yeah. But I think we've talked about it before as well. Formula One has got, with every fan, has got a four to five-year curve, bell curve on your viewership. You dabble in it for the first year, you get really passionate about it. The second year is you are watching absolutely and consuming everything you can. The third year, you're still right into it and you're doing everything, but by the tail end of that third season, you start to drift off. By season five, it's like, you know, history repeats itself all the time in this sport and it'll be interesting to see what the the viewership and the fans of general, you know, the the what I would call the the Netflixification of our support, those fans. Um, it'll be interesting to see where they are now with four or five seasons of the sport and whether they hold on to it and, you know, watch it as passionately of the, as they have had for the last four or five years. So. Yeah, that's right. It's also very hard to watch it passionately in this country and, and it is to our overseas listeners, well done you for being overseas just generally because getting up, you know, either staying up till 11 o'clock and watching, inevitably there's a red flag because FIA is trigger happy a little bit more now with those than what they used to be, uh, the stewards. Um, it just means that you're wrapping up a race at 1 o'clock, 1.30. Maybe you want to watch a little bit of the post show. So realistically, you're probably asleep at 2 on a Sunday night. A lot of our listeners are... You know, you work great jobs, you've, you do all the things, you're traveling early Monday morning. That's maybe like four hours sleep. Majority of the population's up at six o'clock. Yeah, it, it is just, it is yeah. so difficult to lean into it. And, and one of the things that I really want to do for next year for this podcast is have more interviews and have more people that want to actually hang out yeah. um, and do really cool things. Yep. To, to chat with them so that we've got some content that's outside of just yeah, race reviews. Phrase, uh, Lafreya's chat with uh, the Irish chick, what was her name? Emily. Emily. Oh, I mean, we'll get Emily on the podcast. She's excellent. There's a, a, here's a, a hot tip for you. Here's oh, some a little bit of um, up and coming. There is an episode this Friday, but also Freya next week is chatting with Laura Winter. Ah. So, uh, and um, Freya and I interviewed Laura for the Extreme E podcast yeah. a couple of months ago. She is bloody delightful. Yeah. Incredibly professional, exceptionally hardworking. She works across yeah. rugby, Formula One. Yeah. She's done World Rally Cross, cycling. Um, I think she still wants to do darts, a whole bunch of other stuff. Like it is just a ridiculous amount of content that she's got in her head all the time. Extreme E, of course, as well. Um, anyway, that's going to be a really cool chat. So, um, make sure you, you subscribe to be able to hear that. But the stories that she's been able to find through fans and, of course, uh, you know, or listeners to the show of which she has has been as well and fans of the sport, like yeah. everyone's got an interesting story to tell. Oh, people are the most interesting thing in the world. Yeah. I mean, everyone's got value and everyone's got a story, right? And when you actually sit down and you talk to people and well, you keep it Formula One focused for our podcast, but just in general, you know, people are uh, – there's some pretty awesome people out there that live some bloody interesting lives. 100%. To the, 
monotony, monotony, you know the word I'm trying to use. <laughs> yes, monotony, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So absolutely. next year we'll get more. And many of them are you. Yeah. Men like you hey. guys have much more interesting stories than us, well, us we, two idiots. Oh, well, we got Manus on. I mean, Who? Yeah, I know. <laughs> cracking, cracking. He's not going to listen to this. He, he's a cracking human being. He is very yeah. good. And then Mark Kay too, you know, genuine contributor to everything that we do. And yeah. uh, it's good to have him along as well. Pay driver. <laughs> Pay driver. <laughs> did you enjoy that bit of the last I did, podcast? Yeah. yeah. That's good. Uh, um, well, yeah, so there'll be more of that next year as well. Let's just take this moment to talk about our sponsor very quickly about this episode hey. and we'll be to the end of this season. We're very grateful for NordVPN um, and Emilio for reaching out from from them on behalf of them to say, hey, we really like your, your content. Are you interested in using, you know, or dealing with us for a sponsorship agreement? Because I can tell you, and Campy knows, we've had stacks of people go, oh, you know, you're doing good content. Can we sponsor you? And we've been like, no, you are not relevant to our audience. Leave me alone. We do not want Manscaped ads. Like, it's just not going to happen. I know a lot of you don't want us to have Manscaped ads too. But NordVPN has been... Aldi ads. Or Aldi ads. uh, Or Liquorland ads. Uh, (laughs) um, Anyway, uh, box of neutrals. But... It's been really good to, to have these guys and we really appreciate not only them sponsoring us but you guys jumping on and subscribing with an NordVPN subscription um, to help support us too. You can do that and, of course, it's all a trackable link and everything else. If you go to nordvpm.com forward slash lakeside drive, you'll get a two-year heavily discounted rate yeah. uh, and you get four months free, which is great. It's 30, 30 days money back guarantee. So if you don't like it, you can just you know get rid of it and move on to something else. Cracking product. It's genuinely the easiest VPN to use. I'm the most computer illiterate man in the world. (laughs) But I know you need a VPN because I've said it before, but these tech companies, these dodgy bastards out there, I don't want them saying anything. It's bad enough that they've probably got a bloody something in my TV and (laughs) it's listening to me, a microphone and a camera, you know, which is not good. So the least I can do on my laptop and devices is use the VPN so that I can, you know, get good free stuff from around the world too. Good free stuff. You can unlock uh, all kinds of regional content if it's – if you want to watch, for example, uh, I'm watching uh, Shetland, the the television show at the moment. Uh, It's a Scottish detective show. Bloody love it. It is phenomenal. Love that show. But season seven, for whatever reason, uh, isn't on ABC, which is free to get here. It's uh, behind a paywall or one of the subscription services. So I've just changed my location to the UK Uh, and suddenly I'm able to watch the rest of season seven, which has been super, super helpful um, because I don't know about you guys, but I dislike subscribing to so many different services. I'm trying to like, oh, is it on... KO, is it on Netflix? Is it on Binge? Is it on bloody Stan, yeah. Disney Plus? Netflix, like we're, Tommy and I were having this conversation yesterday. Sometimes it's difficult to cancel a subscription. But if, if you're not interested in doing that or if you're like me a lot for this year and you're traveling a lot, if you've found something that you want to watch, you can continue to watch it. You can keep your region in that country because a lot yeah. of the time I'll fly back from London to here and then I can't watch half the stuff anymore because it doesn't exist. Easy too. Easy. Super easy. If so, I can use it, anyone can use it. So with that, if you uh, want to support the show and, and you want to protect yourself online, make sure you go to nordvpn.com forward slash lakeside drive and grab a subscription for that. Thank you to them for sponsoring mm. this episode. Campy 2023. So 
it's been really hard for Danny Rick. Um, it's been a, a hard couple of months um, for us. It's. It, I'm glad you've been able to, to be a great husband, and support your wife with what she's been doing, and and of course that that whole season of what's been going on with her. Yeah, we wrapped up the se- the season um, without you, so we looked at Abu Dhabi, which you didn't really miss a lot. Brazil didn't really miss a lot. Um, and great track. Brazil. What I what we will do though is a proper review, season yeah. review of 2022 in a couple of weeks. But just get your thoughts on. What are you hoping 2023 will be from not only from a Formula One fan point of view, yeah. from a, an Australian F1 fan point of view and also a podcast point of view? Oh, podcast point of view, it's going to be awesome. We've got heaps of stuff in the pipeline coming through, which it, it's just good. You know, you need to keep this fresh. It's been a bit stale. The sport's a bit stale. So I think it'll be good to start new um, for the podcast. Um, for an Australian, for me, I think I, I'm – I'm not as excited about Oscar Piastri as I am Danny Rick, uh, and I'm hoping that'll come. Why do you think that is? <sighs> Probably age. Probably age. We're not, you know, it was ten, it was twelve years ago. Danny Rick debuted. You know, I was I was twenty years old and still on the beers. You know, six nights a week. So <laughs> young champion I was. Um, so I think, I think age is. I think age gets a bit of it in the way too. Um, but I hope I get excited about Piastri because he is genuinely the best talent we've seen come into this sport probably since, oh, let's go with Charles Leclerc, you know, um, and he can drive the wheels off anything and prove that, and he's yeah, he's just so good on the car. Yeah. He doesn't have that outright. He's not a character. Pace, pace, pace that, you know, like a Verstappen has. Yeah. But he's just got this. 98, 99% solid consistency that he can do all day. And I think it'll win him a world championship. So, so the championships have been slim pickings for us in Aussie motorsport for a while. So, uh, but just out of reach, it feels like you kind of get a good momentum towards it. And then yeah. something happens, regulations change or yeah. new drivers come up. And for the sport, I, I, I hope we get a genuine battle between two constructors next year. I think it'll probably be Mercedes Red Bull. I think Mercedes. For Mercedes to drop off this year, I think it was expected at some stage they would. Can't stay on that top perch forever. But uh, the, you know, before the before the the halfway break this year, they had some cracking results, and after the break, had some really good results too. But Lewis had an odd year; he didn't win a race this year, which is the first time ever. Um, I'd, I'd be expecting Mercedes to bounce back, and uh, I think that's what the sport needs. It needs a Genuine competition, like probably what we saw in twenty twenty one, yeah. Without the ending that happened, yeah. I mean, that was a great season. But you think about like two thousand and five, two thousand six, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten, two thousand eleven, two thousand and twelve. Like yeah. there was a lot of competition for that top step. Yeah, I mean, Red Bull throughout those years, well, from twenty ten to fourteen, uh, sorry, thirteen, clearly the most dominant car on the grid. But, but there was still the, the didn't win every race. Didn't win every race, and there was still that tension between Seb and Mark. Yep. And and I feel like we just haven't had that. It was as much as Valtteri two point in twenty nineteen was great. He just didn't do enough. And those guys were so much closer too. Yeah, like that's right. The first, the top eight cars were in a procession. They were literally following within half a second of each other, not being able to pass. Frustrating without DRS and things. But uh, you know the 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 genuine pace of the teammate compared to the number one driver of that era was. 
not like what we see now. We see some big gaps and some big differences, and uh, I think the sport needs it. I think it, I think it needs it. I still, we've we've touched on this a couple of times this year. It's just not. I'm still not sure where everyone goes. It's got a bit of an identity crisis. It's with in our conversations from a corporate level. They're clearly the reason we're doing more races is to make it more commercially viable the Middle Eastern money to come in and snap it up like they have with a hell of a lot of other sports. They've got the golf going on at the moment. They hold the majority – they own the majority of, you know, the biggest soccer football franchises around the world. In America, they're trying to take over their sporting teams as well and F1's just another thing on the list. So that identity I think will probably – from a corporate level, I think the sport's in a good place because they're selling more and they're making more. But I think it takes a – it takes a negative impact on the actual racing side of our sport and what we watch it for. And I think if they sell to a, you know, a Middle Eastern conglomerate, I think that would it'd leave a sour taste in a lot of fans' mouths just because of, uh, you know, well, the inconsistencies and the bullshit that goes with racing on over there. We can fucking whinge and moan about how bad Russia and China are at things sometimes, but, you know, there's – the whole region of shit that comes in when it comes to the Middle East that just no one wants to talk about, which I don't like as well. So, um, sorry, the wife's ringing me. Um, you know, so it'll be interesting to see where the sport goes. And I still think that we've got a bit of an identity crisis because I don't think we're going to go electric. Biofuels, who cares about biofuels? If the world's going to go to hydrogen, sweet. Make the transition into Formula One too. Why do we? I mean, we've proved that we can drive on a hundred litres of full Grand Prix. You know, why do we need to continue down this electric hybrid mode when, you know, the fans are sick of it? We want loud noises back, don't we? We want sixteen thousand RPM V10s back. <laughs> <laughs> There's a podcast in that. Although it's already been taken by the yeah. race. Uh, look, I think that's all. It's all interesting to figure out or to see what Domenicali is going to do with, with the direction of F1 itself, how the FIA then look at everything else. We've got that Muhammad uh, Ben. Ben Sel, whatever his name is. He's in it, but he comes from a well. He comes from a rally background, so he's not a circuit racer. Yeah, he's not yep. like Jean Todd, who are just and Ferrari just own everything. They own yep. Formula One, they own the FIA. In this instance, they don't. Yeah, and so Matteo Bonotto will be running the show in the next decade. Well, there so. you go. That's true. They need to look for a new one. <laughs> so it's interesting to see what's going to happen. I think I'm not yet sure how I feel about the Las Vegas race. I don't, yeah. to be honest. The Miami race is a bit crap. Um, the vibe though around the city, I didn't end up going to the circuit, but the vibe around the city was cool though. Yeah. So it yeah. brought a lot of, of people to sort of knowing about Formula One, of course, in the States, it's the biggest growth market um, for anything <laughs> when it comes to sport. Um, we've got amazing presenters like Danica Patrick now who have done an amazing job um, in NASCAR and IndyCar. You know, she's now got a voice which is great to help to yeah. help more Americans get into the sport as well. So, look, I don't know about Vegas, uh, how I feel about it yet. If I get to go, I think there'll be one thing, so long as someone else is paying for my hotel room because they're already ridiculous as we've spoken about um, and gives me media access because there's no way that I can afford a ticket. Um, but if, that, if it sort of like turns into a little bit more of the spectacle and entertainment rather than the sporting thing, yeah. it would be interesting to sort of cherry pick the calendar races through the year where you go, well, here's the sporting events and here's the spectacle events. Oh, I think Vegas would be a spectacle. 
Oh, for sure. It'll be probably the biggest spectacle spectacle outside of Monaco, the sports. But then you look at like Zandvoort, right? So Zandvoort or Monaco, are they spectacles or races? Zandvoort is still a race and the fans make that a spectacle. If you can see it through all the flare smoke. <laughs> I love the flares. I love I love the fact that you can buy flares in Europe and just Put them Pop wherever. Them off you wherever. Want. <laughs> Mate, we got to get freaking. We got to have licenses to have them. You got to log log them on a registrar, and if they've been let off before you go to buy a new one. Oh, what? Someone who has thrown a, a smoke nanny state. There's someone who's thrown a smoke canister. Can I just say they smell disgusting? You're not missing anything, and you get covered in whatever shit color. You you pick you throw something, and you're like, why is this smoke purple? But yeah, Jan Vaught is like the fans make that. The Dutchies are the. Far out, they're a good crowd. Be interesting to do. Look, we'll see what Whereas happens next year. Vegas is different again because Vegas is like it's a cool place to go, and the place is always happening. But Vegas is like a town that's set up for those sort. Of yeah, things. and I think it's probably the biggest event that's ever going to go to Vegas that we've ever seen. Yeah, and it'll be a spectacle. Whether we need to go there every year, well, I don't think we need. I've, we've talked about that before, so I. Biannually, yes, but not not every year. Before we wrap this one up, I want to circle back to Oscar Piastri because yep. it's been an interesting time. I said this on, um, if you need to call your wife, mate, yeah, please do or message good. her back. Uh, I said this on Instagram a couple of weeks ago that I'm sort of done with holding McLaren to account for Danny Rick's performance. Think what you want. If you think Danny Rick is washed, I mean, you're incorrect, but it's fine. Um I don't think he is. We know his performances have been there and and what he wants from a type of car to drive. Let's not forget, as he said many times the last couple of weeks in interviews, that he out-qualified Lando in 22-1 in Bahrain. First race, you know, car out-qualified Lando who's been driving that car for a couple of years. So I think you can go and listen to those podcasts, the Oz Grand Prix podcast with uh, Lamo um, and – Mr. Clayton, and then uh, the official F1 Beyond the Grid podcast as well. Um, you can listen to those. And he was very real in those interviews, which I think is interesting um, and totally different. He sounds a lot more relaxed. But one of the things that I've said is yeah. sort of got to move on from that. We've got to, and I said this on the last podcast as well, we've got to get start to get, try and get excited about Oscar Piastri. And I think yeah. one of the things, Campy, that we, we suffered from here in Australia is a, a bit of a clickbait reporting from like news.com and even Fox Sports if, if Lamo wasn't writing the articles about, you know, oh, well, Oscar Piastri has pushed Daniel Ricciardo out of the sport with the help of Mark Webber. And I think it was really sad for Oscar because he he comes in under this cloud of not having full and total Australian support as if he would have done if he went to Alpine. Now, Alpine since have shown their hand about how useless they have been in terms of organising drivers and managing those kinds of situations. But him going to McLaren and trying to get excited about it, it was hard. But I feel like we owe it to him to be able oh, to do it. Yeah, totally. Especially as a Melbourne boy. I mean, Danny Rick's not even from the correct part <sighs> no, of the country. The Republic of Western Australia. Far <laughs> out. Oh, yeah. I hate liberals over there too. So. <laughs> <laughs> if they've got any left, uh, I think they've got less of them in their parliament there than we do here. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, look, we will get excited about Oscar. We're going to try and get him on the podcast. That's that's part of the thing for next year yeah. is we're going to try and get a chat Um Hopefully around the Oz Grand Prix weekend. He's a young kid. Hey, we're watching this kid's dreams play out, everything he's worked on. How good is that? And he is like, I mean, we talk about, you know, the 1% of the 1%, but, you know, add another five 1% onto that (laughs) and that's what Formula 1 drivers are. Yeah, totally. For a young kid 
like Oscar to get through and to dad to achieve what he's achieved thus far is mate, we're just watching his dreams, you know. Oh, and he's not oh, a pay driver either. He's there purely on merit. And done it the way you should do it too. Yep. Um, which is good. You know, I mean, well, I've spoken about before, you know, part of what I love doing about the podcast too is like is participating in other people's dreams and and the ambitions that they have. Not that I necessarily have the same ambitions or want the same things out of it, but it's it's awesome to to do those, you know, to participate in other people's dreams and you know, we're doing that with Oscar too. This is his dream and we get to watch it and not so much be a part of it, you know, in the in the inner sanctum and in the circle, but because we love the sport, we get to participate in that as well. That's probably, you know, that's that's probably that's the direction or the the lens I'm going to look through Oscar Piastri next year and let's just get on the ride with him and have as good a time as we can because, I mean, it's easy to get cynical in this sport, as I said, so let's keep it positive after 300 races next year. <laughs> you can hold me to account for that. But, um, yeah, it's good. What about, can we touch on Bonotto? Uh, let's let's save Bernardo, I reckon, right, for, cool. for our season review podcast. Right. I actually think that's a good place to end. Very well said, Campy. Right. Would you like to see us out for the podcast? Well, I'm stoked that this podcast was about me and we didn't do much talking about me. That's classic. Just the way I wanted it. <laughs> but, uh, hey, we've had a cracking year. Thanks for you guys' support uh, in all that we do, whether you're a casual fan or, or a patron. Yeah. Uh, very much appreciative of you being part of that community. Continue to be part of the community as well. The the, the more you put into it, the more you'll get out of it. And uh, next year we will grow and we'll have a lot more opportunity to do stuff with you guys, you know, in the flesh or getting on podcasts and stuff. So yeah, the more the more you participate, the more you get out of it. And um, we've had a we've had a cracking ride thus far, and it's probably just the start, really. So. Uh, it's been a good year it's been a tough year it's been emotional and shitty at times but but um, as a sport I think we're on the up and we'll stay positive and it's going to be a good time so thanks for listening see you next time I occasionally watch children's television when I'm in the UK and I'm hanging out with like my nephews and nieces, right? Yeah. Things like when we were growing up and we were like younger, like Fireman Sam, Postman Pat, or like the stop motion animation. Nah, they all look super weird now, dude. <laughs> it's, it's like it's, it's like Gumtree or Craigslist version of Postman Pat. It's like, oh, we found a way to make it cheaper, so we did. It's like, yeah, but now you look, it's like a horror movie. It's terrifying it's to the children. Like, what did they used to call it? Like the clay? Was it? Yeah, the stop motion yeah. clay stuff. Yeah. That used to be a vibe. Uh, I love the Scottish overdubs people do of those things on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest Postman Pat clip I've ever seen in my life. Uh, we'll link it somewhere. <laughs> you find it for me, you put it. And we can all have a little uh, a little investigation into the mind of we Campy. Can. Sports Social Podcast Network.